doesn't it like show up on your thing that says we're recording or not recording? Um, no, nah, not really. Uh. I could. I just don't pay attention. Start it. Let's go. We'll, we'll go. Of course, you don't pay attention. Why would you pay attention? Only the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridwell. Yeah, I don't even get my full name on the podcast. You get the full name, and you don't even pay attention. I'm still second. Don't forget, it's your podcast. I'm just lucky to be part of it. Thanks. (laughs) Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Welcome, everybody. Sorry about last week. Well, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? If you wouldn't have run out of gas like a dope, we could have got the podcast in. But instead, long story short, little G-Dub here had a hotel that was about 12 miles from a gas station, and he didn't had an Airbnb. Tell me if I'm telling this wrong. And he okay. got to the place and then realized, you know, I want to leave tomorrow with a full tank. So he goes 12 miles down the road to find the gas station closed. and He doesn't have enough fuel to get back. So he's out of gas. Gas station closes at five. He finds a lady with a little boutique that's offering to help him. And five hours later, he's still sitting there waiting for <laughs> five, two, two gallons of gas to get him back to the place he needed to go. And that little time period that we had got spoiled because G-Dub was stranded. Is, is that is that? pretty close it is pretty damn close yeah. uh i probably in hindsight ha- you know had i been able to see five hours into the future i probably could have stolen their wi-fi and we probably could have done that podcast oh while i was if everybody knew how waiting. hard we try to get this podcast out every week and there are just some weeks where we just don't so we apologize kind of but the other thing was is that when greg got to his airbnb at laguna and then my little mishap with my hotel we tried to do it we even tried to do it thursday night didn't we and yeah, yeah. Thursday night at Laguna and we couldn't get it done because the Wi-Fi connections weren't good enough and yada, yada. But it was like, I thought I booked Casa Moonrose and I got to Casa Moonrose and they didn't have my reservation because I had booked myself at the lovely Moonrose Inn. Because you're Casa <laughs> Dummy. Oh, what a dope. You're Casa Moonbeam. Just, let's just say it wasn't quite what Casa Moonrose is, but it was better than I thought it was going <laughs> to be initially. Uh, but man, what a week we had at Laguna, huh? I mean, it was a great week. It was a great week at Laguna, but really, Jay, I think the main reason we tried to get that podcast done too, it, although it seems so long ago, is because it was a heck, it was a hell of a World Superbike weekend too. You know, it was. I mean, World Superbike right now um, is halfway interesting. I don't know. I think everybody's got their uh, their hopes up that Top Rack's going to be there for the whole year, and he might be. I mean, he definitely might be. I. It's really strange how so many people are like, "Oh, Top Rack's going to win the championship now." It's like, are you guys? I don't get it. Are people saying that? Well, you know, you just read stuff like, oh, it's, you know, it's, if I was, if I was anybody within Top Rack's camp or Yamaha specifically over there, World Superbike, I'd be just keeping quiet and just doing my thing and just keep grinding out your weekends, not telling everybody that you're putting your hopes on Top Rack to win the championship. And I mean, you just signed a two year deal in World Superbike. So obviously they want to, that championship is important to them because, Everybody got their backup that he doesn't want to go to MotoGP. And people are writing in that it's a mistake that he didn't go to MotoGP. Like, is it not cool the guys in World Superbike for two years? I mean, I would think that that's okay. Yeah, and I, I mean, we could talk about that more, but is that news? You know what I mean? I don't know like, if it's news. I just read it. I just see it on, you know, I see it on like, uh, I don't like, you know me, I'm 
pretty sparse with what I read these days, but I see it on some of the websites that you and I get some of our information from. And well, I mean, we're talking about it now, so might as well get out of the way because I, I really do want to start with Moto America because that one's fresh. But on the but top rack we'll thing, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll just we'll just bounce this around, but yeah. I didn't have time to do a full rundown and all. We don't that even stuff have a today. rundown today, folks. This no, is like, I, did, GW, I did. How many miles, miles did you ride today? Yeah, six hundred and five or six hundred and seven miles, and for three hours it was one hundred and four degrees. Good so times, boy. I'm there so, might be some like, things coming envious. out of my mouth that I don't realize they're coming out of my mouth. Well, you were know. doing that. On, you were doing that on Sunday on the broadcast too, which was awesome. So it's good. Yeah. I struggled. With. <laughs> that was a rough day. Well, when you got a, well. basically a migraine headache and you're not feeling well and yeah, you, it was, yeah. And of course I waited too long to take some medication, but once I did within 15 minutes, I started you're feeling fine, better. Yeah. And I think the last five minutes of the last show, I was spot on. So I had that going for me. You were spot, dude. I, I TiVo'd the, what I TiVo'd? There was something I TiVo'd and the last two minutes of the Harley baggers thing broadcast of ours was on and it Mission was like king of the baggers yeah. you mean yeah 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 but it was like the last little 30 seconds of that was on the the beginning thing with whatever you show. recorded yeah 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 and it was like uh would you you like um for for hannah jason i'm great goodbye that's why you just oh, yeah. like <laughs> for hannah jason i'm great goodbye anyway so you know i have the producer talking to my ear right and they go <laughs> Uh, you know, whatever. They'll give me a countdown. They'll be like, all right, 20 seconds to the rollout. And so the rollout is that last little bit of video and music and stuff like that. And then they'll tell me ahead of time, we have a 20 second rollout, a 10 second rollout, a 30 second rollout. But in this particular case, that show's so tight. It's so snug um, that I was doing something else. And, and our producer, Russ, who did that show, I wasn't paying that close of attention. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear him go, six five like he'd been <laughs> counting but i didn't pay attention and so i was like it reminded me it was that's when you my weren't head. feeling well though to be honest you weren't that, feeling yeah i wasn't well at but, that point but what it reminded me of jason was back in the day prime network when we were doing prime network we and fox we used to have two crews and one of them was big bill spencer rest oh, his soul yeah. remember big yeah. bill spencer yeah. fox and double box the Fox double box and big <laughs> bill Spencer, Jason would be in the middle of a story. Cause he loved Steve rap because he was, I think Nor an Cal. AFM guy, right? NorCal yeah. guy. And the producers would be screaming at him, bill, we're going to break in 20 seconds because you remember Jason, a lot of people don't remember, but I do. We used to have to take commercial breaks in the middle of racing. And we used yeah. to have to take three commercial breaks during Sucked. live racing. When you're Sucked. away for two and a half minutes or three minutes, you're away. Oh, you know, it's the one good thing that being sports contributed to our sport is they were too ignorant to take commercial breaks. And we got and then to Fox's credit and to um, to Mav TV's credit, they've kept this going. And I think it's, it's great. the best thing that happened to our sport is people take it for granted now. You know what I mean? And, and it sucks. I get it. But anyway, so like I remember one time I'm, I was in the pits or, and um, working with Big Bill Spencer and they were like, all right, Bill, we're going to break in in 15 seconds and he started a story oh steve rap back in the day and blah and they're going and and the producer i think it was jeff manhart at the time is screaming at him bill we're going to break in 10 9 and he's just launching into the story and we get to two seconds and he goes fox force net we'll be back <laughs> and he and did the story it. he did and it story. a lot like a yeah. lot a lot yeah it just That's got great. fox force net we'll be back because that was fox so force great net back in the day yeah. And I was like, I remember sitting there going like, well, if I ever get a chance to be in the booth, I'm not going to do that. 
Yeah, don't and do that's that. what it kind of was. So like when that happened, I was like, I gotta love that guy though. Yeah, love he was. A, he was. Yeah, he was a good cat, man. He's just good such cat. a solid dude. So getting Any, back to anyway, top rack. Getting yeah, back to top rack. Yeah, top rack. Like, By the way, the reason we're talking about top rack, Jason, is because this is a newsworthy story. It's news presented by Arrive. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to tell you something. I have a lot of things I could read here, Jason, but I'm not going to read a lot of things. I'm going to read one thing that seems to be more popular than any other thing that we have going on. All right. the antimicrobial. Do you know, Jason, that all our eye helmets are lined with an antimicrobial material? Yeah, it's true. The interior liner gives you odor resistance, dirt resistance, and those antimicrobials that you love so very much. You can stay fresher longer and enjoy a comfortable ride in the latest Arai helmet. So go check out AraiAmericas.com, pick out what you like, then head down to your local dealer for fitment and grab yourself a new lid, AraiAmericas.com. And Jay, I just have to say as a side note, like, you know, all joking aside, being on these long rides and dude, 104 yep. degrees and all this kind of stuff, it is nice to come to the hotel room, take out the inner liner at the top. It's four yep. like clips, it snap, snap. Take off the cheek pads and then just wash them out because and just clean them. Yeah, and just clean yeah. them. I mean, I haven't that's, that's really great. Yeah, I haven't done a great job of it. And dude, yeah. I swear, when it was 104 degrees and you're trapped in that helmet and it's so hot, you want to. I was closing the vents because it felt like someone had there a hair dryer in my face coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like it started to stink up a little bit in there, and I was like, "Yeesh, I got to do a yeah. better job of it." But anyway, folks, if you're new to the podcast, we do actually start talking about racing at some point. I promise. Uh, yeah. subscribe. Sometimes we get a little sidetracked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously but, in this one, we're going to talk about Moto America. We're, we're talking about world Superbike. Uh, we're going to talk about some pro moto as well. Um, if you want to support the podcast and get nothing in return, except a podcast that you're already getting for free, visit our Patreon page. It's patreon.com wow. slash garage TV. You will get something folks. I got to get off the road. I got to start doing some more interviews. Like I promised the podcast will get a little bit more professional, a little bit better here in a couple of weeks. Um, we're freestyling so it today for that. sure, which is good though. I like it. I got no yeah. problem with doing this. And, so, and mean, yeah. Yeah. And it looks, and you can go to my YouTube channel. I'm behind on videos, but I need to get back on it. But Anyway, it's uh, YouTube slash Greg's Garage TV. So you can check out these videos that I'm doing for Greg's Ride to the Races, which is going really well. And I had a great day at Reno and met some really good people and all that kind of stuff. But back to Top Rack, Raz Gottliago. So it the just, one thing... It came, out, it came out that he, prior to Donington Park, newsworthy stuff, it came out basically that he was um, not going to be going to MotoGP, where everybody kind of expected him to go with some of the seats that are open there. And he's decided to stay in World Superbike for two years. Now, we don't really know what that means. I mean, when it comes to these contracts, what if he goes out and he wins the championship this year? What if he does that? And then maybe he backs it up next year. I'm sure that the third year, you know, see, he just signed on for another two, right? That's He's already yeah. got to get through this year, signed on for two more. There's probably something in there where he's going to get to test the bike. He's going to get to do something. Let's not forget that Red Bull is a gigantic sponsor of his. And with Monster being on the factory bike, the guy probably wants to ride a factory bike, I would assume. Okay. And I don't think that him being able to even go ride the Patronus bike with a Red Bull helmet is probably something that's too viable. Um, it could be. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But there's probably more to it than him just going like, well, I'm not, I don't want to go to World Superbike. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd add to it this. I don't know Top Rack. I don't know. I only know him from his interviews, how serious he can be after the fact. I don't know him. Obviously, he likes to kid around, you know, joke around with stoppies and things like that. But, you know, he's got goals. He wants to win the World Superbike Championship. He yep. 
we all know that the MotoGP paddock, and we got confirmation of it this weekend, again from Cameron Bobier, you know, coming into the booth and talking with us. We know that the MotoGP paddock is like serious business, man. It's cutthroat, mm-hmm. as Cameron says. And World Superbike paddock isn't. It's a more relaxed environment. You know, and maybe Top Rack feels like he's going to thrive in that environment. You know, maybe he looks at the Yamaha World MotoGP bike and doesn't think if he goes over there, he's going to be the A guy. You know, Paul Denning just did an interview. You know, the principal for, you know, the, the Pata, what's it called? Bricks, I think. Bricks, yep. Yamaha team, the factory team. And basically said that the bikes uh, developed around Top, Top Rack, Rack now. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe there's a lot of those factors that are involved. And I kind of like I, I kind of like the move in a way for Top Rack. You know, we we always sit here and go MotoGP, MotoGP, MotoGP. But we've also said if you're not on the right bike and you don't feel like you're on the right equipment to win, but you're on one in World Superbike, why would you go? You know, so no, well, I agree. I, I think that a lot of guys that come from World Superbike don't really get that opportunity, do they, Greg, to jump on the A equipment right off the bat? Like. When Bayless went from Ducati to Ducati, he was um, well. When he went from Ducati, I think he went to Honda first, if I'm not mistaken, and then he ended up coming back to World Superbike. Um, but I think that there was a time there where he, I thought he rode a Honda. I could be wrong. I, it's you know my brain's gone a little bit frazzled. But but I was there the day that he obviously when Nicky won the championship that day at Valencia. The 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 thing that gets uh, just completely forgotten about is that Bayless flat out smoked all those guys that day on that Ducati at Valencia. He had won the world Superbike championship that year. And then he, they did a wild card for him at Valencia and he smoked them all. Do you remember that? No, oh, I do remember that. Yeah. It was Crazy. Incredible. So, you but, know, but you, you stack them you... up on oh, no GP bike, the electronics were more sophisticated. You know, the tires were totally different. The yeah, whole but, kit and caboodle and smoked them. But speed, when you look at speed against speed, a MotoGP bike, you look at Gerloff, he gets thrown into the deep end at Valencia. He gets thrown into the deep end at Aston, like literally thrown in the deep end at Aston. Never been to the, never even seen the place. Um, but at least he knew he was on for the weekend. Um, he didn't do half bad. I mean, he did great. I mean, he had one little tip off and, and I know he didn't finish where he wanted to finish, but there's a lot to get used to. And I think there would probably be easier tracks to jump on a MotoGP bike than Aston. Aston's pretty narrow. I know you've probably never been to that one or ridden that one, but yeah, I haven't. It's it's pretty damn narrow, and you know, I thought he did a good job. But I think that for Top Rack, like you say, if he's happy, he saw Ken and his manager Safaglu make a living in the World Superbike paddock for what ten years, fifteen, whatever he did with World Supersport Championships. If he goes out and wins World Superbike, he's going to be getting paid pretty well, I would reckon. And especially if you're knocking Johnny Ray off the throne, you got to think his bonuses are probably pretty big. So. You know, he's probably pretty stoked. And at the end of the day, you'd rather be winning on an A bike with the team built around you than on a B bike with maybe not having your guys there. That's my opinion. So I don't think it's that big of a surprise to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. In other news, uh, Tony Elias uh, will fill in for Kyle Wyman. Oh, wait, that's last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had that. We did have that in our rundown last week. Didn't we? That's, that's, yeah, we had a rundown last it's, week. What's so crazy is I was going to do the same thing. I was going to be like, "Oh, by the way, Tony Elias." But yeah, that was it. Was really cool having Tony back in the paddock. It was. It was really. It was really good. And Tony did a good job. So I'll tell you what, he did a great job. We're gonna. Yeah, yeah we're gonna talk America about world, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get to it, Jay. So um, why don't I kick us off with some Honos Superbike? Because on the first race of the weekend, we were actually treated to the closest race finish of the season. Gagne wins again at that point, his eighth in a row. 
Loris Baz only finishes 1.1 behind him, and then Cam Peterson with a solid podium, 3.6. Then it was Skultz, Heron, Hector Barber in sixth, Bobby Fong seventh, Tony Elias in eighth on, as a fill-in for Kyle Wyman on the Panera, Panera Bread Ducati. Um, and then Jake Lewis, our first of our uh, Stock 1000 slash Superbike Cup finishers. With um, Travis Wyman, Jason Uribe, Bryce Prince, Corey Alexander in 13th, Andy Debrino in 14th, and Ashton Yates. I say Ashton Yates. I say, give me an Ashton, Jason. Yeah, thank um, you. That's your, those are your points finishers. So, in he's that doing one, that because I say Aaron every. Yeah, I'm doing that because he, he cannot get it right. Oh. Just like he can't get stock thousand right. Still okay. Thousand super stock. Uh, right. thousand, I, didn't know, but, I didn't know that Corey Alexander was riding 600 Super Sport this weekend, but thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did choke on that one a little bit. A little large. So there you that go. Was, Don't was, be throwing that, stones. That, I ain't going to lie. Stones. That was a toughie. That was a what? Yeah. Don't Did you say stones? stones? Did you yeah, really? Don't be throwing stones. So what are you getting out of this? Like Gagne to me, like, uh, I mean, this year or this race, this weekend between Gagne and, and um, how far ahead he was. I, it was really refreshing for us. Um, the first day I thought was amazing. Um, he didn't, it seems like what these guys really worked on, and I know talking to Cam Peterson about this too, is that first lap speed and everybody just seemed a little bit closer, but I also think Greg, and tell me if you think this is right or wrong. This is the first racetrack we've gone to where we haven't seen the lap record broken. Right. Right. Um, and it just seemed like there was a lot of issues with like, everybody was struggling for grip this weekend for whatever the reason is. I don't even know what it was, but I mean, um, everybody just, everybody struggled a little bit and it, but it, what it seemed to do it seemed to hurt Gagne more than than everybody else. Like everybody else closed that gap to him, to, it, which kind of makes me feel like on new tires, um, he wasn't quite as good as he's been all year on new stuff. Like everybody else was a little bit closer to him this weekend. Everybody was closer, but it was really Baz, I think. Um, I just think that, you know, since you have Baz who's been to the track before, likes the track. He comes in with a lot of confidence. The red pants, meaning the, the engineers from Ducati, they have data from Laguda that spans world Superbike, that spans GP. And they're able to, you know, start to formulate off the bat, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, and what, but you know, what, what held Baz back was in him telling me was that because of what you just mentioned, the grip issues, that at the end of the first session, grip was so bad. And it's not like he goes and surveys the rest of the paddock immediately. He's not going, how, how was your grip? How was your grip? You know, to right, the other super right. riders, he's just running his own program is that he goes in there and he basically says, we got to start changing stuff. And he started chasing his tail for grip that wasn't there. You know what I mean? It's not like the bike didn't have grip and the grip was available. The grip was, was not available. The track had zero grip. Yep. And a lot of people never found that grip. You know, Corey Alexander being one weekend. of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Corey so, had some other issues, but yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so I think, you know, I think, or what I hope too, is that this, this is a step for Baz to get closer to Jake because we want to see good racing. However, I think that some of it has to do with the Laguna factor, you know, the fact that he's been there before, that he likes yeah. it, that it's really the only track. So, cause I mean, when you, when you look at it at the opening laps, they were closer. Yep. But, but really, you got to look, Cam Peterson was 3.6. That's awesome, right in third. But then Skultz was 7.8 behind, and then Peterson was 14 back in the second race. 
Now what made race two? That first race, that first race was red flag. Let's not forget because your rebate tipped off on the exit of turn uh, out of the corkscrew. Did you see the photos of that, by the way, on Jake Lewis's Instagram? Jake Lewis isn't. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because if you watch, I think if you look at Jake's Instagram, I I don't know how he didn't. I have no idea how he didn't run over Jason or the bike, but. To Uribe's credit, which I love, you and I both love this. He went straight over and picked the bike up and got yep. it off the track with it. By then, by then the call was already made because there was a bike pirouetting down through, down towards Rainy, and they, you know, the corner workers were probably like, "Hey, we can't get out there to that bike and pick it up before the guys come back around." Um, they probably didn't realize that Uribe was going to do that on his own. You and I are so used to seeing these guys just walk away from their bikes, but he uh, he picked it up and got it actually off the track, but. Josh Heron went 24 flat right off the bat in that race. And when you, when I kind of go back and I look at it, uh, the, the pace of that race after um, they restarted, there was a big drop off, right? Because when you look at the best lap time in the second half of that race, it was a 24-8 from Gagne. That's when you look at that, Greg, that's a, you know, the tires, they come in, they, we, we hear all the time about when they um, go through a heat cycle. And the drop off was pretty big. Huge. That's yeah, everybody said the big. same thing. Everybody said the same thing. But you know right. what's great? So, t- so, so look, yeah. well, listen, Jay. So the yeah. heat cycle thing was such a big deal with these with these particular tires at Laguna this year. For whatever reason, we do, I don't mm-hmm. know that some of the teams were changing tires. They would do the war, the war, siding lap, and they would change tire. They were going to change tires. Right. That's amazing, right? So, right. So so you know they go out on a used set, and then they get to the grid, and that way. They don't have an extra heat cycle on them. So I don't know. I didn't have a chance to talk to Dunlop about it. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and trash Dunlop either. I mean, that's no, not, no, you no, know, no. because that's, that's not, not the issue. About, but but, but but everybody was having the issue. So it wasn't like it was an isolated issue across the board. No. And so no, it was more had, everybody had uncomfortable. Yeah but, yeah. but, I mean, you could see it because I saw more crashes, you know, on Friday than I've seen in quite a while. People just launching them left and right. So. Yeah, no question. And I think uh, – and, and when you look at it, the one thing I'm going to tell you about this weekend, because when I tell you that it looked to me like the fact that there was less grip hurt Gagne more because he wasn't able to get away and disappear on new, new tires and all that stuff. The thing that I can counter that with is how impressive Gagne was at controlling the pace of these races and still looking so in control. Like there was no panic from Jake and there was like he was – we've watched him run away with these races. And I thought even when we did a couple uh, special little segments with him, um, there was no, um, there was no franticness about, Oh my gosh, I'm not getting away from these guys. I'm, 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 I got to control the pace. I got to do what I'm doing and, and keep it like it's going right now. You know, I, I was very impressed by that. Well, especially after what happened in race two, tell everybody what happened in race two with Gagne. Leading. Yeah, well, when he's he's leading the race, and I'm like, what is it, like maybe the third lap, he runs off the track on the exit of five going up towards the corkscrew, and Baz gets by, Skoltz gets by, then they run each other wide a little bit. Um, Skoltz runs wide going into the corkscrew, which runs Matthew kind of wide on the exit of the corkscrew, uh, and Gagne is able to get back by him. I mean, he was just so cool. I talked to him after the race. I said, man, it was there. It was really those guys' first opportunity to lead a lap, and it would have been interesting had Baz just made it through the corkscrew normally instead of just getting in there a tad too hot, Skultz would have followed in line. And then we would have seen how Jake could handle getting by both those guys. But they kind of just got in each other's way a little bit. And Jake was able to go back past them. And um, 
you know, and then Heron was right in that mix too. And I think Josh made a mistake down into turn two, which saw him go back a little bit. But the, regardless, um, Kanye just looked unfazed by it all, didn't he? Yeah, he just went about his business, and he just went about it, got around him, and then, and that's where that's where, like, I'm looking at Jake's change in riding style, and the fact that things didn't go perfect, and he didn't revert back to where he was last year tell me that he's actually made like a big step. Like it's not yeah. just when everything's going well, I can do this, you know? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think that that sometimes is where Matthew Skoltz is at, that he's, he's working on changing some things, but when push comes to shove or there's a bit of hecticness that he'll revert back to where he was. And so, you know, it's just taken Matthew a little longer than usual, I think, or I shouldn't even say that really. It's just taken Matthew as long as it's going to take him to make that the second nature thing, as opposed to the older habits or a second nature thing. You're right. And, you know, I think the same thing can be said about Sean Dillon Kelly, you know, this yeah. year, the big step, yeah. he's just I mean, comfortable leading the race. So to wrap up Superbike, I think, um, you know, obviously Gagne wins nine in a row, but the, the one thing I think that we can take away from this, in my opinion, is that Gagne didn't look completely untouchable like he's looked at the beginning of the season. It, and, it, in a way, though, you say that, and I agree with you 100%, but in a way, <laughs> you know, in a way, it it he almost was untouchable because he was still controlling everything. No, no, you know, no. He like, is untouchable. I yeah. said he almost looked untouchable. Oh, yes. Sorry. You yeah, get yeah, what I'm saying? No, I agree. Like, yeah, you go, yeah, wait yeah, a second. Totally. Okay. There, there are people in this paddock that have the speed to go get Gagne. You know what yes, I mean? And make a race I agree. of it. Now, and I we're agree. off to Brainerd, though. And, you know, they've already tested. Jake got one day. He high-sided himself. He hurt himself. He was the fastest guy. You know, Bobby from HSBK is telling me that without the transponders on, Baz went quicker, you know, on the second day than Gagne went. And so I'm like, okay, you know, and, but keep in mind, we actually have a Thursday practice day at Brainerd as well. So they're going to get even more track time. And the good news is M4 was there. So they got a t- They only got one day of testing, but they were there. They got some testing in. Uh, Westby got testing in and Skultz had gone real close to Gagne's time and then crashed. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so yep. we have, yep. we have some, some guys like Kyle or his team. I'm not sure what Kyle's end up going to end up doing, but you know, there's a few people that didn't make it, but they'll get to test on Thursday. So with, yeah, which, which I hope I you feel... get to ride it because I can't wait to hear your. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's a chance that could happen. Um, you know, there's a chance that could happen. Anyways, we'll see what happens with that. But um, I feel that uh, you know, you talk about the M4 boys. It was kind of like a, another little bit of a struggle for Bobby this weekend. Um, had some issues that looked like in race two for Cam. I thought he did amazing. He was third, on, you know, third on the grid. Finishes third in the first race. I didn't get a chance to really talk to anybody after the, after the race, everybody kind of gets out of there pretty quick Sunday, including myself. And um, as far as that goes, it, it, maybe they made some setup changes that worked in the morning that just didn't work in the afternoon because he was, he was off the back a little bit and forth, but I thought it was good for Matthew as well. Skultz did a nice job and talk about Tony real quick. I thought, I thought that he, he kind of finished where we figured he would finish. Uh, it's so difficult to just step in on a bike you've never ridden with a team you've never been on. And, he had, you know, Kyle was his crew chief, which I thought was pretty cool because Kyle knows a lot about that bike. And um, they kind of did some different things setup wise. It looked like Tony enjoyed himself at least. I hope if Kyle, if Kyle ends up riding again at Brainerd, I hope, I haven't talked to him about this, but I hope he just rolls Tony's bike off the truck and rides mm-hmm. it just to see what's up. Yeah, it would be interesting because there were definitely some significant things. I think it's 
pretty well documented throughout the paddock that Tony likes a certain way of setting up a bike. And, um, and he, he did that with Kyle's bike. And the second day, I think he got into the 25s, which was, which is pretty he did, good. Yeah. Um, yep. So, and, and if you saw his post, he did a cool post where I guess him and Hector Barber went back and forth like six times on the last lap. And he was sad that the cameras didn't catch that obviously, but, um, but it sounded like those two guys had a good battle, good time. And, and, um, yeah, it was good having Tony back in the paddock anyways. All right, let's move on to Supersport, JP. Let's do it. Because in Supersport, um, we have a Sean Dillon Kelly dominating. He yeah. goes in, does his third double this year. He wins by .099 over Rich Escalante in race number one with Corey Ventura in third. Benjamin Smith, who was up there in the mix early in fourth. Kevin Almeida, Rocco Landers, Sam Lockoff, Alex Thermiotis. Uh, De Silva, Soltis, your top 10. In race number two, STK had his way with Richie Escalante. One wins by four seconds. Uh, Corey Ventura back there, six and a half. But Ventura was was close for a long time. Ben Smith, Rocco Landers able to work his way up to fifth round. Kevin Almeido. Mesa, who missed the first race, was in seventh. Nolan Lampkin in eighth, who crashed, I think, the first race. Well, yeah, uh, got a bad start. Yeah, yeah he fell. Let's okay, Dominic yes. Doyle, De Silva, and Jared Nassini, and, and on back. So, um, you know, the thing with SDK is, is that he just is handling the pressure of leading so fantastically this year. I mean, it's just impressive with the pressure that Escalante is putting <clears throat> on him and the fact that he is pushing Richie Escalante. SDK is pushing Escalante so hard. That post race Escalante is just going like I don't I I didn't I can't I don't know where to pass him. Yep, and it's like that is racing with eyes in the back of your head, man. It's impressive what Sean Dillon Kelly's doing, and well, the, you know, and the you know you and I both know that the bike hasn't changed that much. I mean, the bike's getting ten years on at this point. You know what yeah, I mean? Like if yeah. they're massaging any anything out of that bike, it, it'd be a miracle. I mean, you might get a quarter horsepower here. Or there because you try, I don't know, new oil or something. You know what I mean? Like yep. a new weight of oil that Xstar has or something. You know, but for the most part, you're not getting any leaps and bounds. So, you know, to me, you're looking at a guy really that you I would say ninety nine percent of what we're seeing is is SDK's improvement on the bike and no question. And his communication with uh with his crew chief. You know, hey, it's it's maturity. That's what it is. I mean, you hit all the you hit all the bulletin points there. It's right now, um, and when we talk about him winning by four seconds the second day, you got to remember there was a four second penalty imposed on Escalante. It was, yeah, true. it was good point. Right? It, it wasn't, it, it was a lot closer than that, but he's able to sustain the pressure. He's able to put his bike wherever he wants. I think that he's working great with Jeremy toy, obviously, and his whole crew at M4. Um, those guys are all doing a great job, but, but there's also a thing where I feel that he has just matured as a rider. Every year, these guys get a little bit older. They get a little wiser. They get a little smarter. He's and, nineteen. He's correct. nineteen, though, and that's but, the whole thing. I keep forget forgetting it. it. You know, yeah. at sixteen, I watched this kid unlap himself at the Daytona two hundred, and when they red flagged it, he went back and put the thing on the podium. If you remember, yeah. And so it's like he's 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 the real deal. He really is the real deal. Um, so is Escalante. Richie just kind of seems to be doing some things that um, he's just having one of those years. He breaks his collarbone to start the season. And then <sighs> last week before we went to Laguna, I was out there on Tuesday at Buttonwillow. I pulled in there at like 930, I think it was. And 
the guys had had one session, but Richie made it four laps and flung himself. Uh, very, very innocent crash. It wasn't like he did anything malicious. He wasn't pushing. He hit a curbing in the wrong way, and it flung him. And, um, and so it, it wasn't like he did anything really bad. Um, but, you know, he ends up showing up there with a fractured foot, badly sprained wrist. I mean, you know, he had two days to heal before he got – or three days to heal before he got back on the bike. So it was difficult. Now the right, <laughs> yeah. the rider of the weekend though, in 600, I mean, I, you know, when you look at SDK, I mean, what he did was incredible, but man, Corey Ventura, absolutely. Yeah, we, we expect SDK and, and oh, Richie, even hurt. Yes. We expect them to be there, but Corey Ventura yep. is a star. Sure. Yep. I mean, Corey Ventura is the absolute real deal. Um, he talked about a kid that's matured and he's done it doing club racing. He hasn't done it by, being able to go and race against these guys weekend and week out. And I mean, the impressive part, if you would have told me at the beginning of the weekend that he was going to finish third would be that he's beaten Benjamin Smith and he's beaten Rocco Landers and he's beaten Almedo and Mesa and so on. That would be impressive in and of itself. But the kid led two or three laps in the second day and not only led it, but once SDK got back past him, he kept Escalante behind him for a good, what, five laps. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, he was six and a half seconds from winning that race. And when you look at it, the second day, the pace was a little bit quicker than the first. He was 14 seconds back at the end of the first day. He improved by eight seconds in a race that was actually ran a little bit quicker than the first day. So, and, and, and I, you know, I just want to point out again, as I pointed out on the broadcast, I think I pointed to the broadcast, Laguna is not a track where like the AFM goes and has regular races there, you know? That's, yeah, there's no home track advantage at Laguna. No. No, so you can't um, say, well, because he's a Nor- NorCal guy, he gets to ride Laguna. Correct. He has good setup notes. He has good gearing, that type of stuff. Uh, that's not that's not like what got him to third place. I think 100%. it's just talent. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, he's just really, really good. And I thought, you know, Benjamin Smith ends up fourth both days. First day, Ben was doing what Corey did the second day. Ben was right there with those two guys. In fact, kind of ran him down a little bit. And then, obviously, at the end, he was having some big problems, probably grip or whatever it was. But he, I mean, he was right there for the first, what, six, eight laps. And then he ends up being 19 seconds back at the end. But for Ben, you know, gets all the way out here to California. The second race, Greg, he was only 10 seconds back. So he made big improvements overnight to make it to where it was a little bit more sustainable as well. So when you look at some of the things that have been going on with, um, with that class, We've definitely had some people getting a little bit closer, I guess you could say, and and a little bit racier. So, but yeah, you know, the, big, I think the big, big thing props, too is Jay. When, when you look at those guys, like you look at a Benjamin Smith, he has the speed to to hold pace. Yeah, he does. Yep. But he really he really does. Yes. He, but he's but he's but he's somewhere nope. in the mix. He's having to override it a little bit yep. to to maintain that pace, and he's cooking his tires. Where SDK got that taken care of two years ago, Richie Escalante got that taken care of the first five years that yep. he was in Supersport, you know, and so that's what we're seeing from Benjamin Smith. We're just we're seeing a guy who's got the speed. Now it's a matter of getting the speed easier and easier and easier, so he can save that tire and be there for the fight at the end. Yep. I think he'll figure it out because, for the most part, I think those guys have put together a really solid and consistent program. It's not like the things, you know, oh, I messed up. I missed 30 minutes of this session. I missed, it seems like he's getting laps. He's getting better, you know, and that's what you really need. Right. Correct. So, and 100%. that's why we need Corey Ventura in the, in the paddock. Yeah. We need him. He in needs the to take that talent and then start to develop the same type of thing. Cause I think, 
you know, if you take him to a different racetrack that we could probably expect the same thing from Ventura. Oh, no question. He knows all the tracks. I mean, he does. He knows all the tracks. And you would hope that there's a way that he could um, be able to do that. He's got a great little program that it seems like he's running over there. And, you know, when you, again, you look at this little homegrown program that he has over there uh, with Graves' support, it sounded like he did thank Graves up on the podium. But when you look at that and you go, well, um, you see what Richie Escalante's got. I mean, he's got everything he needs really over there with the Hanos team. Um, Corey Ventura is not, I mean, he's right there. So I was yeah. pretty impressed. Now in Junior Cup, um, it was interesting this weekend. There was, and thank goodness for Bangladi because had Bangladi not been there this weekend, <laughs> oh my these God. races would have been, ugh, Tyler Scott ends up winning both races. And I don't think that tells the whole story. These guys were absolutely flying. At times, they were two seconds ahead of the next lap time to lap time, two seconds ahead of third. So Scott ends up winning the first day with Glotty, Colstead, Gus Rodeo, Wyman, Roach, Bickneys, Owen Williams. Uh, Kayla ends up ninth. Uh, Yakov and Chase Black ends up tenth. Uh, second day, it was the same thing. Um, I'm just looking real quick to see. The first day was actually ran pace-wise a little quicker. They finished in 2106. Second day, they finished in 2108. So they weren't that much different. The difference at the front, though, uh, the first day, Kolstad ends up 24 seconds back. The second day, he ended up 22 seconds back. So the second day was much of the same. Kolstad, same podium, both races. Kolstad gets third in that one. Wyman, Rodeo, Roach with two, I'd say, solid top sixes for Jack this weekend. Best results we've seen out of Jack, which is great. Bickney's Max Van ends up eighth. Yakov, uh, she really improved a lot overnight. She ends up ninth. Uh, same placing as her first day, but she went quite a bit quicker, Greg, uh, the second day. She went 39-3, which was really good. Blake Davis ends up 10. Yeah, she so, finished like seven seconds or something. That race, seven seconds quicker, better. I think. Yeah, that's something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's good improvement. That's pretty good. It's a great improvement. So, um, so anyways, when you start to look at things a little bit um, – over the course of the weekend, it's really kind of coming down to two horses now, Tyler Scott and Ben Glotti. I, You know, it's it's the KTM, to me, looks really strong. It looks like Benjamin's having to ride very, very hard and run with it. That's just literally taking nothing away from either one. It just looks like both bikes have their advantages in certain spots. And um, But it looked like the, these guys raced clean. They raced hard. Um, it was two good battles. Ty just was able to just get the better of them both days. Yeah, I mean, to your point, by the way, those guys in race one finished 24 seconds ahead of third and 22 seconds ahead of third yeah. in the second race. So, yeah, yeah. without Ben Glotti there, it's like, buh, bye. But the one God. thing I will say about Glotti, Jay, that's that's cool that I like, is publicly he hasn't said anything about the KTM. What he did say was, at you know, in, in pre-race for race number two, was that he saw some things that Ty was doing up the hill because he was killing him up the hill. And Glotty said, we're making adjustments for it. I like yep. that. I, you know, yep. he didn't say he's on a KTM. There's nothing we can do. He's no, driving up no, the hill. No. I have to make he's... it up everywhere because a, a person could have said that. Well, look, I didn't listen, hear Ben Glotty say that. And I like Tyler that. Scott and Ben Glotty are future. Like right now, those two guys have shown that they, if they jumped on a 600 tomorrow, both of them are going to be incredibly good. I think Ben yeah. Glotty's size is going to help him when he gets on a 600. I mean, you yep. said he's, did you, I think you said in the telecast, is he still 15? I feel like I, I feel yeah, like he's still he's still it. fifteen. He's still fifteen, amazing. and, he's, and he's already got he's already got six hundred experience up in uh, yeah, up at Loudon, at Loudon. and yeah, he's and I believe great. he's been on a thousand once or twice. 
Great. I mean, so, he's I mean, a big kid. He's a big kid for is. a racer. Like he's not Roger Hayden size. He's skinny. He's fit. He's not Correct. that. He's just no. Tall. And he and he's and tall. He's on a small and bike. his leather sponsor looks. It just looks like he's got you know big letters. You know what I mean? No, no, exactly. So, so I mean, when you look at it, uh, Junior Cup's going to be interesting at Brainerd. Um, looking at the track layout there, it's going to be you know a little bit of fast stuff, a little bit of tight and twisty stuff. Um, so we'll see what you know, kind of see having ridden I, a junior cup I, bike myself around I Brainerd. I can you tell you, that. I forgot you'd done that. Yeah, <laughs> I've completely forgotten. So, but I mean, I think that, I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be 22 seconds again. I don't think between them and third. I, I, I don't think, I don't think so. If, if Unless the rest of the field, stepped up their game that much. Well, I mean, I think with the, like, had this been the old configuration, Jason, you know, yep. you, you automatically you're going, Oh dude. In Junior Cup, it's going to be nine riders. Nine right? guys, There's, yeah. Right. Yeah. But what you have is the majority of that is very uh, relatively easy to, to keep the pack close together. It's the new section that you haven't seen that you're getting ready to see. There's some technical stuff about it. Um, there's some hold your breath stuff about it that it will be interesting to see if it's that's where it's going to go. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I, I have to figure out where the splits are because they're going to start. They're going to start us after this pedestrian bridge. So I think like. You're going to see pretty much the top 10 really close in sectors one and two. It's sector yep. three that's going to divide everybody up. So, yep. but there, there will be places for drafting and passing. It's just on the edge of the tire. So yep. the, you know, if there was ever a place where a junior cup bike could actually work a tire, because it really doesn't. I mean, you can get away. I think they, they get what two sets a weekend or something. Period. Yes. Three sets yes. a weekend or something. Like yeah. Like you know, if place. there's any, ever a place that the tire is going to get worked, it'll be the right side of the tire there because it's kind of like a reverse Daytona in a way. You you drive on there, but and with a little bit of lean angle. But I still don't think tires are a factor. It's why we keep seeing lap records being broken on the last lap because they just keep getting more comfortable, and more comfortable, and faster and faster. You know? Yeah. Yep, no question. So I think it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting to see those two race, and maybe we'll see somebody step up and and do something at at Brainerd. It'll be cool. I can't believe we're talking about Brainerd. It's so much fun on the stock thousand side of I things. Know, yeah, they had great. one race this weekend. Uh, Travis Wyman beats Corey Alexander in what is on one side of the fence a heartbreaker, on the other side of the fence, absolutely unbelievable race by Travis. Uh, Jake Lewis in third, and that was that was he was only two tenths behind, but there was one point in that race where Lewis looked like he was. He was and in eighth. Your, he was he was back there dude, in eighth. I'm like, oh, he's got a problem. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was like, what the heck? Um, Bryce Prince was right behind Andrew Lee. Who Andrew Lee? You know, it's a it's a shame Andrew didn't get a podium because he was right there and he was leading and it looked good for him. But fourth place with Bryce Prince back in action in fifth. He looked strong. Gilbert seemed to be struggling a little bit this weekend. Debrino in seventh. Ashton Yates in eighth. Uh, yeah, and but, then on but, down, but Greg, those top eight guys were 5.8 and all the guys with the exception, I think of Michael and Debrino, all the other guys led the race. Maybe I think Bryce at one point, I think he took the lead going up over one. I couldn't be, I can't be totally sure. I think Bryce had the fastest lap of the race too. So like, there's a lot of good storylines in, in stock thousand. Yeah. There's a lot of good storylines. The bottom line is Travis Wyman got a bad start, got shuffled back, and he just methodically worked his way up front and took advantage of, took a huge advantage of a a no grip in the rear, you know, Corey Alexander, you know, and yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it because Corey had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a problem off the track, this, this, uh, but I think before not a this, problem, but more of yeah, a tragedy. 
But, yeah, but before the race, I it's it, look at the end of the day, um, some of the stuff that was going on for Corey that day, which is horrendous uh, for him, um, really came out a little bit more even after the Super Stock Thousand race or Stock Thousand race. Oh, I did it. I was nice begging try. myself not to do it. I know, <laughs> but but at the end of the day, dude, like listen, I know it's going to sound crazy, but Travis Wyman to me this weekend was kind of like my rider of the weekend. I thought he did a great job. I didn't get over to tell him that personally at the end of the weekend, um, but but. When you have a rider that does what Travis did this weekend, his bike worked a certain way. It didn't matter where he started. He was very methodical. He could run consistent laps. It was fast. He was fast. Bike was set up great. Um, he's got a great little program over there. He was had a special one-off uh, livery this weekend from Motul. And so there was a lot of things there going on for him. And he stepped up. I mean, he ended up winning um, one of the Superbike Cups. I think I thought he might have ended up winning both of them, Greg. I can't remember, but I mean, he might, he might have, he might've won both of them. I don't know if Jake Did, Lewis, maybe won one. Jake. Yeah. Maybe yeah, Jake, I think Jake won one, won one and, and Travis won one, but I could be wrong on that. I should have looked at it earlier, but I just remember leaving the weekend and going, man, you know, he left an impression on me. I think that if Travis really starts to find his niche with every track we go to, like if there's anything, I mean, the kid doesn't throw it down the road a lot. He's, he's consistent. Um, if he can get a little bit more consistent, result wise in the sense that there's some weekends where he's like, he's sixth and there's some weekends where he's does what he does this weekend. Um, he methodically picked his way through. I can't remember who I was standing on the grid with, but they're like, so who do you think? And I'm like, man, I'll tell you right now, Travis is going to be a hard guy to beat. Nobody's talking about him. You know, you're looking at Corey Alexander, you're looking at Jake Lewis, you're looking at Bryce Prince who was on the front row. You're, you're, and it's like, yeah, but if you watched him in the Superbike race on Saturday, he just kind of kept coming forward and his bike looked good at the end. My biggest fear for Travis in the stock thousand race was, is the race long enough? Cause he was really good at the end of those superbike races too. Like, which by the way, miles. last year he wasn't Jason. If you remember last year, Travis was, he would get out to a jackrabbit starter, get out to a really good rhythm. And then he would yeah. fade at the end of races. So whatever yeah. he's done, super impressed with him. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely fixed that problem. So, so Corey ends uh, up second, Jake Lewis third. That was, they're battling for the championship, I think, right now. I don't. Um, what's the points in that one, GW? I'm, I'm just looking to see here. Uh, I've already clicked Corey's, off of it and started. Yeah, I got at it. Twins. I got it. Corey's Corey's up by twelve right now, um, over Jake. Travis uh, is twenty points behind Corey, so he's less than a, a race behind. Michael struggled all weekend. So talking to him even before the start of the race, he's like, you know, top five would be a good result. He ends up sixth. He was only three point one back, and he actually did better in the Superbike Cup race in the second. One. So yeah. Anyways, good stuff. It, I thought it was really, um, really fun to watch those guys this weekend. A good race in Twins Cup. Caleb DeCarroll wins by two tenths of a second over Anthony Maziato, Jody Berry in third, Jackson Blackman and Toby Kamsuk three and five seconds behind. Our boy Parrish in sixth. Schultz, uh, Hobbs, Schultz. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Hayden Schultz, Teague Hobbs, seventh and eighth. Liam McDonald in ninth and Darren James in 10th place. And I wear my sunglasses at night, Corey Hart in 11th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on back through the field. I did not watch this race at all because we were waiting. We were waiting our, for our stand up stuff. The stand up. That was what, yeah. But I mean, obviously one second separated the top three. It's great. You watched the race. What'd you see? Yeah. All these guys led. I, I, I've said it before. I love how Caleb goes about his weekends doesn't seem to get too flustered with anybody that's that's faster in the sense of um, 
you know, practices or qualifyings or any of that. He just kind of does his stuff, you know, and he ends up winning the race. Um, it's great to see Maziato up there. Um, you know, again, Jody Berry as well. But those three guys were just, they were just a little bit better. And Jackson was trying to hang on and Toby hung on for a long time. Um, there were some back markers at the end of that race. But, you know, when you when you start to look at that one right now too, um, Greg, championship points right now. Uh, yeah, 15, so there's 15, there's point 15 lead, between right? them. But the problem yep. was like Jackson had closed the gap down Correct. to, I think, three maybe. Yeah. And he lost, he lost 12 on the weekend. Yeah. That's, is that what that's kind of the heartbreaker for me, but yeah, but we, you got to remember the guy, the, but the guy didn't score any points in Atlanta, Jackson. I know first so two races, nothing. Yeah. yeah no, so you got to look great. at it like, wow, we're only 15 points back. Teague is Teague's uh, third parish and then and Schultz and uh, so on back down. I mean, Jody didn't get to finish at road America. He's 59 points back. So yeah. Anyways, and we, we got to watch our final King of the baggers race, obviously we this weekend. Did. And, when you start to look at that, as far as what was going I mean, dude, on there, that, and what was that was a stake. huge surprise. I'm sorry, it was just a tremendous surprise what happened in that race. Well, I, I'll be honest, I didn't have Kyle smoking everybody. I don't. No. I got like, look, the King of the Baggers thing is kind of fun for me, and I watch it. And again, it's more because of some of the names in it. And you got to respect the fact that Harley has put so much into this. And I think the biggest thing that I look at, uh, Harley and Indian, by the way, putting so much into this. The thing I look at, Greg, is the fact that last year when we went there, I think it was a high 36 was pole position, like high 36. And these guys, Kyle Wyman went 31-9. That's, that is so fast. On a bagger, he went 31-9 around yeah. that place. Yeah. Kyle Wyman ends up winning. And the, the, the storyline behind this was that Kyle, you know, obviously getting hurt at Road America after he'd won the baggers race there. Him and Tyler had both won one race each. Um, both riders. Tyler O'Hara. Tyler Hare, both, both writers finished. I don't have to say last names now. It's my podcast. So, you know what I mean? I don't have to say it. I can just be general. I know. I do. I do. <laughs> um, it's an insider because we have to say last names on TV. So, Greg's always got a big, like, basically tattoos it across <laughs> his forehead so I can see it. Uh, I just say point last to my names, forehead. Say last names, idiot. Yeah, okay. Last sorry. names only. Last names yeah, only. Last yeah. names only or full name. So, anyways. Um, but I'm bad at that sometimes. But Kyle, Kyle Wyman and Tyler O'Hara had traded wins in the stat. So coming in here, the talk was Wyman against O'Hara. And the funny part was, is that when I looked at the points, Greg, after we'd done our stand-ups, I'm like, why are we not talking about Hayden Gillum? He's second in points. And Frankie Garcia, I think, was third. Yep. Um, I mean, if Tyler or Kyle had problems, Hayden Gillum could have won the championship. But 100%. Yeah. So anyways, it, it worked out. I mean, we Kyle, talked about it a little bit, but I think we underserved Hayden. Because he's talented, but at the end of the day, the results are the results, right? Yeah, Kyle ended up just smoking those guys up there. It was funny because I, coming off a broken elbow, I talked to him every day, and he was kind of saying, "Ah, Jay, I'm kind of," uh, uh, uh. and then he's like, "You know, all the guy had to do is finish seventh or something if O'Hara won." And by the way, Michael Barnes gave O'Hara a run all the way to the finish line after beating him in Utah, Utah, in another series. So, um, King of the Baggers first year, it seemed like it just kind of kept growing in the sense that. We were getting some A-listers. Like it was Taylor Knapp was hauling ass, and then he tipped off in turn. Um, we got to see a couple of these guys crash this weekend, which I'm not comfortable with because they're big bikes to be crashing. But O'Hara had a big one in turn five, and then Taylor had a small one. Although, be it with these bikes, they're all big. He crashed in turn eleven. So, first year King of the Baggers is over. 
uh, full season. Uh, I know we did one race last year. Kyle Wyman ends up winning the championship over Tyler O'Hara, so he'll be sporting the number one plate next year. Yeah, that's great. By the way, the top in the race, the top seven, which include Garcia, Gillum, Ben Bostrom, who finishes fifth, Travis Wyman, Barnes, O'Hara, and, and Kyle, they all went faster than uh, in the race than pole position last year. <laughs> Patric- Patricia Fernandez, who was eighth, she yeah. went like not even one second off. She did you know, great. Like one second. Yeah, she did yeah, great. Yeah, she did a 37-4. And that pole position that you were talking about from last year was a 36-7. So I don't know what it is. You know I, I, you know what I don't know? And we never found out, which which is bad because we underserved our audience. Were they on slicks or were they on Q4s? They were on slicks. No. Okay, so, um, they, so they that's going to be a little bit of a factor. Uh, correct. Sure. Yeah, correct. yeah, that'll be a little factor. So but, anyway, but that's, anyways. you know, that's Moto America. We got some good championships, you know, um, going on. We go to Brainerd in what, two weeks? Go to Brainerd in like two and a half weeks. Two and a half, two and um, half weeks. Yeah. So that's going to be good. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped to get there. I think that um, for me, um, you know, Brainerd has a lot of like little special places for me because I loved it. And I know it's not what it used to be in the sense that, well, Actually, I think it still is what it used to be, but the track is actually different. Um, so the track is different. Uh, that was a place, Greg, that way back in the day, it was like one of those things where it's like, I can hardly wait to get there and ride. I loved Brainerd. I just thought it was the coolest place. And I'm going back there with a little bit different ex- uh, expectations, but um, but I'm excited about going to Minnesota. I'm glad we have another track on our um, on our schedule. 17 years. Yeah, crazy. It's been since crazy. 2004. It's different. The area's grown. I just can't wait to, to, to see what you say about it. All right, Jay, let's move on to World Superbike because the bottom line in World Superbike is when they went into the weekend, Jonathan Ray was winning, leading the championship after three races. Jonathan Ray is two points behind in the championship to top rack Razgatlioglu. Yep. I don't think many people saw this coming. Nope. However, top rack if our one knock at top rack was all the same as everybody else's in, you know, if it, if it starts to rain, the guy's junk. Well, <laughs> he, yep. he proved us wrong in Dude. one of those races, didn't he? He took the well, most risks and it paid huge dividends for him, but. Okay. And, and go real quick before you go any further, I'm sorry, real quick. Great. Yeah. There was a race, there was a race, race two in Doha. And I've said this before on our, on our podcast race two at Doha, maybe the second or third, the second championship year for Johnny Ray where he started like, I don't know, 14th or something. Right. They did the reverse grid. It might've been that. I, I don't remember, but dude, his first lap was insane. Like it, it like left a mark in my brain. Like, Whoa. Well, that's what top rack did on the first lap of this race to me of the first race. It was in, his first lap was just, it was ridiculous. It was, it was, it was half wet, half but, dry, but it was ridiculous. But I hate to say this, like, an old curmudgeon journalist bullshit headline. Are we seeing the changing of the guard? Yeah, no, we're not. We're not seeing no. changing. Anything, <laughs> we're not yet. Right. Johnny Ray is still on top of his game. He's still an absolute stud. I think that there's something else going on with that Kawasaki that we don't know about. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I know that because the bike was new, they had to make a decision at some point about what transmission to go with for the entire season. Cause you can't change your transmissions. You can choose which transmission you want. Unlike us where you have to run a stalker, you know, transmission, no matter what comes with it. I mean, could it be that? Could it be well, just luck of the no, draw? Dude. I don't know. You know, 
No, look, listen. This is a this is one of those weekends where the first race, dude. If you watch that first race and you watch it back, Johnny Ray almost flicked himself like I don't know five times in the first six laps. I mean, it, it was yeah. like it, it was, was like because shocking. the conditions of the track were just they weren't great. I mean, the conditions of the track weren't good. So it, only because of the weather, not because of the track surface or anything like that. It just it was a it was just a gnarly first race. It was a bit of a weather race, okay. And so Rizgatiaglu gets to the front. Ray wants to chase him down. Was successful in trying to do that initially. And then, but just kept on getting huge moments, big moments. And it's like, hey, you know what? 20 points is better than zero points. And I thought Alex did a really good job ending up third. With Sykes and Vandermark has them. Has them right now. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Honda's going to do. It's going to be really interesting to see what Honda does next year because Batista has to be gone. Like, he's not doing anything on that bike. Haslam seems to be. I thought I heard Steve English say that they're that that's like their number one priority, re-signing him. Yeah, I don't know. Bautista, I don't know. We have to talk to Steve anyway, again. I, but he was yeah. 20 seconds behind in this race. Gerloff I mean, let's face facts, dude. I half listen to what English says on those broadcasts anyway, Steve. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not so really, much shit anyways, that guy. Uh, just garbage coming out of his cake hole. It's hard to you listen know, to. He sends me a text after the weekend, <laughs> and I can't, on like Monday, and I can't even remember what it was, but he wrote me a text about – oh, I know what it was. Yeah, he was embarrassed because – Basically, oh, he made one little tiny mistake. He made a mistake. God forbid. Yeah, it's like GG. But I don't know, maybe, dude. You're on live TV for you know a five hour stream. Well, you know how Romo sends us the. You know how Romo sends us the the. You know, the, Romo the, sends the, us the grid of the tires. The tire like sheets. Who's, yeah. Who's on what and all that, right? Yeah. So, well, Pirelli had sent him something saying that Redding was in fact on reins when he wasn't, and so. So oh that's yeah that's a big mistake. Two. I didn't realize it was that right. big. That's a career yeah. ender, Jay. Yeah, no, <laughs> English is fired. Um, no, but basically it was like so. All of a sudden, um, we're kidding, of course. People listening, we love Steve English. No, I don't. love Steve English more than I like Jason Pridmore. Yeah, I like. Steve how I said more than I like more than I like, I like more Jason than I like Pridmore. more than I like myself too. But he was basically like Rinaldi was like ten seconds a lap quicker, and he's basically calling out that Redding's on the same tires as Rinaldi or something like that. And he's like, "What's going on right now?" But in fact, he was not. So, anyways, um, you know, when you look at these race results, and then you go to race, you know, you got the Super Pole race the next day, and you kind of start to think about, okay, Johnny Ray, everything was kind of it was back in order. Was it was back in order, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he ends up getting the lead. He ends up running away, taking off, and. Sykes ends up second, which I thought was incredible for BMW to have second and third. I thought that was like great. It was awesome. Unreal. Haslam fourth. Again, super impressive. Uh, and, and everybody's gonna go, well, it's Donington. He's got more laps around Donington than than anybody in the history, it sounds like, from what everybody says. But still, at the home track advantage thing, you know what I think of that. He's 3.9 back. Garrett ends up fifth. Rizgatiaglu sixth in this case. Um, you know what's really funny, Jason? Yeah, I literally a question popped into my head, and then yeah. your answer popped into my head, so I wasn't going to ask it. And the question I was going to ask is, Jay, can you tell us the difference between you know these short races and long races? And you just going fourteen laps would have been the answer that I was not looking for. So I was like, I'm not asking that question because he's going to be an asshole about it. I would. I don't know. You 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 could. You know what I mean? If I said, Jay, what's the difference between the, the 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 featured length races? And a Super Bowl race, and why are these results different? You could be like, uh, fourteen laps is the difference. 
Well, yeah, you know what? But I wouldn't even have. It's yeah, the first one's yeah, twenty three laps, right? Super Bowl race is ten. Is so that, I wouldn't yeah, have known. I wouldn't have known that though. I, you know, I'm. Oh, a you little, wouldn't. Oh, oh well, offended. You know, I'm a little offended that you went. Anyway, oh well. Oh, good, hey, good. Enjoy write that. some hate so, emails to Greg. So, where Scott Diaglio ends up six, I think my high uh, email gramps. Email gramps, really. <laughs> good one. Just um, DM. Yeah. Nope. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Lucas Myers, dude, he's been pretty good. He's been working really go good. To Ray, look, Lucas, Johnny yeah, Ray. Go to race two. Go to the race or the Why? featured length race two results. All right, let's huh? go to that. I got it. I got it. Race two results. I can't remember who won, Greg. Um. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a hint. Race, race it, it was two Yamaha one two. But see, this is what I'm talking about, though, right? Is that is that race two? Like everybody's got to just settle down because Johnny crashed out of the lead, and if you watched it, if you watched it. And they showed it a bunch of times. There's a distinct bump in there that he just basically got in there, trail breaking in, hit that bump, lost the front, and fell. I mean, shit, it happens, and that's the way it is. Rosgatiaglu ends up winning, but again, this is the big news. You know, Gerloff two point two back, um, pushing pushing hard the whole way. He ends up going through a bunch of you know going through guys to get there, um, and, and Garrett has really set himself up nicely over there with what he's doing. I mean, he, he was, like you said, Greg, he was quickest right off the bat in practice on Friday morning, having never seen the racetrack. He likened it to some Moto America tracks. Um, but Gerloff ends up second, 2.2 behind uh, Rizgatiaglu. Sykes, which I think is much needed for BMW to be on that podium. And Redding did everything he could to catch him. Just a disastrous weekend for Redding. Vandemark ends up fifth. So he had a couple BMWs in the top five and on the podium in the Super Bowl race. Alex Lowe's ends up sixth with Davis uh, seventh. Rinaldi, Haslam, Batista were your top ten. So, yeah, Ducati was nowhere at Donington. Nowhere. I mean, like, like Redding is he's already done um, for the season. Like, I don't think he can come back and get close to these two guys. He's uh, the he had a huge crash down Craner, I think, curves, which was he was lucky to get away from. And isn't it just ironic that in that same race, like Johnny Ray did the same thing, didn't fall. Goes across, cuts across the grass and still went chasing after top rack. But, but, um, but yeah, just I feel bad for Redding because it seems like he's very likable over there. Um, and he's got a lot of pressure on him to perform. What I don't understand, explain something to me. Why is it in MotoGP and World Superbike the talking points of this bike works good here, doesn't work good there? They need to figure that out. We never talk about that stuff in the States, do we? Well, no, I mean, honestly, but I think that it's. You know, you have real manufacturers over there in the sense that you've got BMW, the manufacturer itself, with Sykes and 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 Redding. Uh, sorry, Sykes and uh, Vandermark. You've got real official Ducatis. Like I think if we had another Ducati over here, um, or, I'm sorry, another BMW where we could get like you've got you've got Barbara um, out there. It would be great if we had two current BMWs to see where they're at. Because in BSP, those guys they're killing it in BSP. And yeah, BMW. yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And so, yeah, so you know, so bottom line is we don't have enough, we don't have as deep the talent deep pool with with as World Superbike the sure. level of equipment to even really define it. I mean, everything we because, base off of is just like the way the Yamahas are riding right now, you know. Because when you look at it, if you look at our stock thousand class, that's where we have the most diversity. We've got Hondas, we have BMWs, we have Kawasaki's, um, we have Suzuki's. The only one we don't have there, Bryce Prince was talking about it to me. He's like, Jake. Isn't it just kind of weird that there's nobody on a um, on a competitive R1? I'm like, yeah, that is kind of strange, I guess. But people have chosen other brands of bikes to be on, right? So, um, 
but anyways, yeah, it's, uh, I know we're getting off the beat. But, path but there. a lot of that has to do with contingencies. That's why. And that's well, yeah. the point of a contingency program. If you look at if you're a privateer and look across w- giving myself the best chance to recoup some of this money or even make some money, you know, I'm not sure what Yamaha is to off on offer, but I do know stock to stock that the, the Yamaha R1 isn't as stock thousand quick as some of these other bikes are, you know? But you get a guy like, but there's nobody really developing. I mean, you can't tell me that if like Richard Stamboli decided he wanted to have a stock thousand rider, that that bike's not going to be like what it needs to be. Right. Like true. There's just true. Like, like part of the problem we have in 600 super sport right now is we have people developing a class. Is that, it was at the 1995 class. Did I say 600 600 super Super sport? sport? Sorry. Super sport class. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Thanks. Three dub. See, I don't take I that personal, I, you know. So no, again. I know, I know you don't. I think Jamie said the same thing too. She called it six hundreds or something, and I was just like, I have no yeah. idea why I'm such a stickler on it. It's just because of you know, the the name thing. I guess it's just my yeah. hang up. It's really yeah, my hang up. Nobody, Nobody cares. cares. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, Greg. So everybody knows what you're talking about. When I say six hundred super sport, they know I'm talking about super sport. Leave it alone. So, anyways, when you look that's at that right. though, you've got a team develop that's continued to develop the Suzuki till no end. And you got a team that's developing in Kawasaki. Well, there's really nobody developing an R6 right now. It's been since Graves yeah. left. There's been nobody really developing that R6 to make it better. Or, you know, we got we got privateer guys, teams, individuals. Sony Landers is trying to do it with Rocco, and then we got Ben Spitz crew trying to do it with him, and they're doing a good job. But it be you know they need a little bit more help. Yeah, and think about when Graves was in too. Not only did he have normally two riders riding for him that were at the top level. To, to gather information, but, but Chuck Graves also had his computer plugged into con- customer bikes, you know? Correct. So the guys gathered, so really developing those bikes e- e- within the scope of the rules. And so, yeah, I mean, it, listen, more data points, the better. That's just Correct. the way the world works, right? Like you can't, yes. can't make, you can't make bikes go fast in a vacuum. So that's really the issue. It's like, not just, there's not one person not developing this bike. There's not a team of people that are all, you know, collaborating. And I don't know. I don't know if, if, you know, Ben Smith's crew is talking to Lander's crew and they're bouncing Who stuff knows? off of each other. Who yep. knows? It I does, haven't really it, gone yeah. down that road. But, but it's, anyways, to get, to get back to World Superbike, back to World Superbike. Res, Resgatiaglu's got a two point lead over Ray right now. So it's 183 to 181. And Redding's at 117. So, it, you know, he's a long way back. And, you know, he's 66, pa- 66 points back. Of uh, Rosgatiaglu, sixty-four points back of Johnny. So, and then you got Alex's fourth uh, with one fourteen, so he's sixty-nine points back. And then Ronaldi's fifth uh, with you know ninety-four points. He's eighty-nine points back. So right now, it is a two-horse race. The best part about it for us is that on any given weekend, Alex or Redding, Redding. or Ronaldi, any of those guys can get in between the two front runners. Yeah, and don't yeah, forget yeah. and don't forget Garrett. I mean, Garrett is Gerloff for sure. Sykes now right has proven that he could. We're going to yep. get in some tracks Gerloff and the late six. season. Right. In the, in the points, like Gerloff's still within striking distance of finishing in the top three, which is kind of no, what we were predicting, was, right? This is so crazy. I was just going to ask you right now. He's 24 points back of that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, that's 20, I mean, three races a weekend and the schedule left. There's no <laughs> doubt. And they're, they're, aren't they going to Assen? So, like, he got the GP right. So, like, they're going to Assen that next. Up. He's so pumped, I bet. Dude, why would you not be? First of yeah. all, he got to give his brain a little bit of a break, right? Yeah, like at least a couple of weekends before, you know, and get away from 
three new tracks, two different bikes, two different yep. tire manufacturers, two different yep. paddocks altogether, you know, and, and, and actually good to go back to a track all of a sudden that he's so familiar with. I wonder, you know, what it's going to feel like to him, you know, yeah, but it's anyway, gonna be, it's going to be great. But yeah. Okay. I mean, but even if you look down the list, Jay, you got Sykes now who's proven that he can be in the mix and put himself <laughs> between some people. Vandermark the same. And, as I was saying, Chaz Davis also, dude, yep. Chaz, a lot we're going to get to the late part of the season where Chaz seems to come alive and there's some tracks we're going to that he's going to be good. He could end up popping off a couple of wins and and really, you know, messing around with this championship. So that's part of what makes this championship so exciting. It's not just that it's a two horse race, that it's a two horse race with seven people behind him that could totally decide how this whole thing goes. Yep. Yep. There's, I mean, I totally agree. I, it, it's so that's just wide open still, and there, you know, the the great part for us as fans is they go to Assen, which will be great. But then after Assen, they go to that new track called Most, and then they go to Navarra, another new track on their schedule. Um, so it's like, you know, who knows what the shakeup's going to be in all those places? It's going to be great. It's going to be good to watch that. So World Superbike was good. There was no 600 Supersport there, as the restrictions in England weren't allowing. 600s to be there or or uh, the world 300 super sports so neither one of those classes were there uh i think they race again uh the, the 25th so do they still have another weekend yeah they got this weekend off and then the yeah, following this weekend's off on yeah mm-hmm. then they race at Aston. so i can't believe there's no road racing this weekend weird yeah weird no weird. road racing yep. like no bsb no fim endurance no Chuck Walla Valley Raceway CBMA. Nothing. <laughs> we got well, let's talk about ProMoto because they are they are racing this weekend, and we're going to skip a week, but more or less. But in Southwick, Massachusetts, Southwick, Mass. Dylan Ferrandis, dude. Yeah, ever, it's my home. Did you go to Did you go to that one? You ever been to that one? No, I actually have never been to it. Okay. So I know I know I know the region. Like I've ridden a motorcycle by there one time long before they were racing ProMoto there, but. Uh, I didn't see this race. You did. So let me rip through the results here. I'm going to rip through the overall. Okay. So in the overall, uh, where did I have it, Jason? Hold on a second. Ferrandis wins it overall and he goes one, three to win it. So he went in third place in the second moto. Kenny Roxon goes four, two for second place. Justin Barsha on the podium for the overall. He goes two, four. Tomac goes eight, one. Yep. What? You know what I mean? Eight one. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Cooper Webb goes six five. Cian Cirillo was sixth overall. Chase Sexton, Marvin Muscan, Dean Wilson, Joey Savacci, uh, Christian Craig, Aaron Plessinger, on down the list. Um, you'd mentioned to me it was a bit rough, huh? Well, it was just weird. Oh, the track was insane. The, the like, track, yeah, the track. This was is rough, why we yeah. got to get Weege on here because I want to ask him questions because. Like honestly, Greg, you and I trying to ride just around that track after the motos were done for the weekend, we we would have been a comedy show because <laughs> oh yeah, we would have been a comedy show. Me more show. so than you, we all know that. But but you know I put myself in that category with you there. And and it's true though. It was so gnarly rough. It's like my mom actually is sitting there watching it with me. She's like, My God. She's like, Jason, like how do they do it? I'm like, Yeah, I don't know how they don't break themselves in half. Just it just was it was so crazy, gnarly rough and and but it's so crazy. The funny part too is that that like Tomac's going, oh yeah, the first. I don't know what's going on. Like I didn't feel like the same guy in the first moto for the second week in a row, and then the second moto I feel like a different person. Like I'm another person. 
Three weeks in a row. Oh my God. Yeah, but but this is what he said. At high point, at high point, he won second moto. Correct. After yep. finishing whatever it was, like fifth or sixth. At yep. Redbud, same thing. Yep. It, it's, it, yeah. it, but, it's but it's like, like so weird. And he's like, Well, I found some new lines in the second moto. But it's like when that guy is good, it's like he just marches away. Like he just like says, All right, I'm out. I gotta go. See you guys. Bye. Yeah. And it's like it's it's really strange. And like I wanna I you know, maybe we can try to get Jay on the Jason Wygant on next with us because like there's no racing yeah. for us this next weekend. It would be fun to have a moto talk with him because he's so knowledgeable about it. And, um, you know, there's oh, like he'd, a be lot ha- of- he'd be happy to do it too. And, and I'd love to see if he's, if he's still, still like, uh, sticking with moto America, if he's watched the last couple of races that he, mm-hmm. that he's not working with us. Cause something tells me he has, you know, cause Dude, he's, he's kind gnarly. of invested like, in I, it now. He did pretty yeah. damn good when he came and joined us. Like he got well, a lot of things. Him. I'll call yeah. him and we'll see if we can get Weege on next yeah, week. You do, you, you do your thing. You got the two fifty results. I do have the 250 results. Would yeah. you like to hear the 250 results? Yeah. And by the way, while you're finding those, Ferrandis like was what? really kind of pissed off because his bike was smoking in the second moto, and uh, Plessinger got a great start in the second moto, Greg, and his bike kind of shit canned itself like right off the bat, like three corners in, mm. and and literally they pull away from Plessinger being out of the race. They showed him, they showed the mechanics trying to fix the bike, and he, once he got three laps down, and the bike still wasn't starting, and this and that, so. They go to uh, Ferrandis and his bike's smoking. So then it was like they're sent, they're putting out boards like don't you know don't no clutch like don't use the clutch at all. Um, and he he kind of had to just kind of ride it around in third place. And he was even though he won the overall, Ferrandis was not stoked. Like he was pissed off because he I think he wanted to go chase Roxon. I think what he really wants is a full blown head to head battle with Tomac outdoors. I think that's what Ferrandis well, wants. He, you know, that could happen when mm-hmm. Tomac's feeling well because, you know, Ferrandis is leading the championship and he just looks, he looks so solid right now. I mean, he, he's just, yeah. he's, he's on another level. In the 250 class, it was Hunter Lawrence goes 1 1 for yep. the win. Uh, Joe Shimoda, my boy, goes 3 4, gets second over Justin Cooper. RJ Hampshire, good to see him back in the mix. Colt Nichols, Jet Lawrence oh. in sixth. Moseman, crazy man in seventh. Styles Robertson, Scored a lot of points for me in uh, fantasy. Jaleek Swole in ninth, <laughs> Pierce Brown, uh, Max Volan, Master Pool in 12th, Jay Mart, a surprising 13th with March Banks back there. I mean, you know, and dude, I mean, Forkner's in 17th. It's, it's just a star studded affair in 250s. Like, you have to wonder where are the rides? Where, you know, where are these guys going to go? There's, there's so many good people, you know. Moto always point, figures it out. Moto always figures it they, out. But they, like, they do, yeah. The, yeah. the points, though, Jay, are, are snug as a bug in a rug. I mean, right now you're talking about Jet Lawrence is only three points ahead of Justin Cooper, 204 yeah. to 201. Hunter Lawrence is at 178 back there. So in terms of the championship, we still have six rounds, seven rounds to go in their championship. But right now it's just looking like it's a Lawrence Cooper show. You know, for yeah, for, for the title I, fight, a hunter, a hunter to win the way he did was super impressive. Because again, it was super rough, and um, Cooper has been winning a lot of the second motos also. And Hunter ran him down and Wait. passed him, and and uh, but the guy you got to talk about a little bit, and I know you don't know this because you you know you've been on the road, so you don't get to watch these. But RJ Hampshire, I think we said that he has crashed six times in the last four motos, maybe seven times because he. Yeah, but he's he's leading. He's out, gone, gone, down the road. And then next thing you know, 
he's in the dirt. And he got high centered on this berm. He couldn't get his bike. Like it was actually oh, kind no. of comedy. It was teeter tottering. But dude, this guy, how strong he must be is insane because he kept on coming back to the front, getting back to the front. And, and, you know, he won an overall already this year without winning a moto and he's wants to win a moto so bad, but he just kind of keeps augering in and at Southwick, it was so sandy and so rough because the whole track sand, but it was just like, yeah, I felt bad for the guy, but RJ Hampshire's got pace. He's just got to keep it up. You know, the one thing that I'll say that before we talk to Weege next week, if we can get him on is they just, a lot of those guys ride rough tracks all the time. Like yep. they may groom the track at the beginning of the day and, but they never groom it again. They ride it rough. You know, I, yep. I I'm reminded of a story um, when we took, when I used to work on a show called bike week that at the time was hosted by, uh, I think at the time it was hosted by Larry Myers. And we took a team of Americans up to Canada and raced a, a race called the Numbum 24. Oh yeah. And it's uh, you know, you, you put a drunk Canadian on a plow on this huge lake and then you just tell the guy to drive around and he, and this year he created the year we did it a 12 minute lap and we had, um, some unbelievable riders on there. Schwantz was there and, yep. uh, you know, whatever. I mean, I could go through the roster, but I don't want to really drag this out. But one of the guys, one of the guys that was there was Mike Bell and yeah. we, we raced it on a D- DRZ 400 yeah. and, you know, with, with spikes on it, uh, this guy, Jeff Fredette, who's a multi-time ice racing national champ brought out the tires. And I don't know how we decided, but we decided to put Mike Bell, who's a, now he's now passed away, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, love the this guy. Year, sadly. Yeah, just Mike an amazing guy. Bell. Yep. Yeah. So he was a 500 uh, motocross champion, right? Big, big bike. Yep. So we put him out on the ice first. And and when you first put someone out on the ice, it's smooth. And he stunk. I mean, yep. stunk. Yep. We, we sent him out there. I think he comes across second to last. The only bike that he was faster than is some Jackos brought out a CBR <laughs> 600 and put spikes on the thing yeah. and tried to ride the thing on it, right? So everybody was like, whoa, sheesh. So like, that our team on, had, right? yeah, what's going on? But then later on, you know, it's a 24 hour race when the ice got just destroyed. I mean, rutted up, nasty. He set the fastest top of the race. Yeah, yeah he so ended up totally like smoking it. And he said, because I need the thing bouncing around, I need it moving around. And this is some years after his career, but yep. I kind of learned a lesson, you know, watching that whole thing unfold. By the way, the postscript is that um, our rider, our anchor, who was Which it? Which wasn't you. Give me one second here. No, I didn't race. Yeah. Yep. You just keep talking because my, my computer, see, we're doing this live now. My computer's going to die, so I got to get my charger. So you just keep talking. You never, you, you, yeah. Just don't shut listen up. to just, me. Don't listen to up. me. Just go get your charger, you big stupid. Uh, don't, he flipped me off, everybody. That's what just happened. This happens all the time. Okay. Can't even tell you the stories about how many times he's tried to do the podcast with a microphone turned around. Big dope. So our anchor at the time was Scotty Parker. All right. And Scotty Parker was like, uh, two minutes or something like that behind on the last lap. And Jeff Fredette had made a really great tire. And so Scotty Parker comes around and he's right on this dude's bum ski. And with like two or three corners to go passes him. And we end up winning this 24 hour race as an American team um, by two seconds. And there so were some great. very drunk and very angry Canadians until we broke out a parts Canada check for their charity which I think was like, which I think was like 10 grand. And then everybody yeah. kind of, but at that point, Jason, we'd been on the ice for pretty close to 36 hours. Yeah, that's gnarly. Uh, you know, these Canadians are awesome, dude. They brought out a hot tub with like uh, AstroTurf that's and, so great. and wor- had a, like a working hot tub on the ice. And 
It was a really, really fun event. They're still rolling it, I think. They're still running the We got to go do the, it again. The Numbum 24, yeah, up in By northern way, Alberta, Canada in January. Story this week. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I, yeah, you know, it's painful. That's you. All right. Yeah. It's painful. As I, I extend that. this podcast way beyond where. All right. So we're going to try to get Weej next week, talk about some pro moto. You know, it's, <laughs> it's great to watch it. Don't take a week off from watching racing, people. Go watch pro moto. All right. So, so look my, ahead. So, hey, real okay. quick. Yeah. Dude, you know what I got to do this week? That's like the highlight. I got to do an Instagram post about it. So um, there's one um, coming, people. You got your colon checked manually. No, no, no. no. Oh, didn't, okay. Actually, I didn't. No. At your age. Dude, we can't get into that stuff because I'll get really abusive <laughs> to you and then I'll get all kinds of hate. Yeah, we don't, we don't need that. Messages. Don't need that. All right. Dude. I rescind the comment. Yeah. yeah, that's not very nice. Uh, Dude, I got to hang out with Uncle Skip. Oh, Skip Axlin. Dude. Okay, so you got to remember, this is what you got to understand, okay? Real quick, is that back when I was, when I was like 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, okay, in the late 70s, like Skip Asklin with Kenny Roberts, there's a, there's a list of riders that, that, that molded my past as far as like, you know, I used to go to the races with my dad, obviously. And then... 96, Greg White being one of them. Great, yeah. And the fact is, is that, is that like, I always pulled for Skip Asklin. I, I just did. So the fact that when Chuck was kind enough to kind of like hire me to do this job and all that. I didn't realize that Skip still was just so charged up about racing. He's been coming to races, Greg, forever. Like he's the big, like he loves coming to all this stuff. So dude, and uncle Skip looks like he could get on a bike and race right now. Does he not? hundred percent. But, but as with all the greats, all the, all the great guys, all of the legends that are truly like something, the way he tells stories, there's zero ego. There's none. Like I had him talking. We played 18 holes of golf, okay, on Thursday. That's kind of our connection. And the bu- the only bummer for me with that whole thing was that the how first bad you night- worked his ass. How no, you no, no. Him? I'm not going there. I'm not going there. The, I the, did. Like, don't listen to him, Uncle Skip. Uh, the thing is, is that the the first time we had people in front of us, so I was able to like we had to wait on some shots. So I was getting stories out of him, like cool stuff, like really cool stories. And then everybody left after nine holes. So we. We went around the back nine so quick I couldn't really get any like good stories out. But that's a bummer. Yeah. But then we got to go to dinner, which was amazing. We got to go up to Wayne's house for dinner Saturday night. And and but it was like it was for me it was really cool. And I had I actually had uh I actually had Chuck laughing at me because I'm like, hey man, like for me it's kind of a big deal getting to meet, you know, Uncle Skip. It was cool. I loved it. Well, it was cool because we had, we were having some conversation and it was getting a little chippy. Not really, but you know, just a, and Uncle Skip just happened to just kind of throw out that he won <laughs> he won the the San Jose Mile, right? Oh my and God! Yes, we started killing him about it. But you're right; the way he said it was so non ego filled. Oh, it wasn't none. He wasn't dropping names. It literally was part of the conversation, and uh, they were busting his balls about something about not winning or something like that. And he was like, "Well, actually, I, I won but, the San Jose Mile," and it was like. Oh, okay. But when right. you but but if you actually get him going about if you get him talking about some stories, right? It, the way he tells it to you, it's like he just he's just it's just it's just talking. There's no like, oh yeah, I was like this and oh I was like that. It's just like it's great. So yeah, it was it was a treat for me the the weekend. I, I mean honestly genuinely loved it. I had such a great time and um uh, I'm looking forward to I told him I gotta get him on a bike. We got to get him. I told him I got to get him back on a bike because he. I think he'd still love to ride. But he's just I think have, he would too. Yeah. yeah, it'd be a blast. Well, looking ahead to this weekend's race calendar, um, you know, AMA Pro Motocross is at one of my favorite places for promoto Millville, 
Minnesota. I love that place, that big giant hill. AFT lands in Decoin, Illinois, Jay. So we're going to talk American flat track too next weekend. That'll be cool. Um, I think maybe Yamaha's got a chance at Decoin. I don't know. Uh, AMA Extreme Championship East is in Little Hawking, not Little Hacking. Are little they? Hawking. Are they? Hey, hey, is there nothing? I'm sorry, because I mis I misunderstood you there. But is there nothing at Sturgis, dirt track wise? No, 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 nothing at Sturgis. I'm going to Sturgis this weekend for a, a Revzilla but, adventure but didn't they tour. Do like a, didn't they do like a? Wasn't there races at Sturgis like a TT and or like a? There was like a couple of years ago. I thought. I, I guess I'm way off, but I th- no, I thought no, no. I there's there's been no. There's been American yeah, flat track at Sturgis, but the okay. Sturgis doesn't happen till August. They call it Buffalo Chip or something. Remember that they call it. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Some... yeah. But that doesn't yeah. happen. I think that doesn't happen till August, Jay. Like uh, okay. I'm going to Sturgis this weekend. This is just an adventure rally in Sturgis. Oh, but like the Sturgis rally. Sorry, you know, sorry, one... I was mistaken. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. A okay. lot of people have been asking me about that. Okay. It's like, no, the actual Sturgis, the one that everyone knows, that's, I want to say that's mid or late August. Okay. So, okay. yeah, the, those two are unrelated. That's why, yeah, this this weekend, they're, you know, they're heading off to DeCoin, Got Illinois. It. Got it. Um, yep. All right. So, anyway, um, and then I, I mentioned the AMA Extreme Championship in Little Hawking, Ohio, and HR Parade Pro Stock Motorcycles in Denver, Colorado. Around the world, you have uh, World Speedway is in Czech Republic twice, FIM Motocross in the Netherlands. So no road racing, like Jason said, but there you go. We got a podcast done. It didn't crash on us. Uh, You only actually came in fuzzy to me once, which hopefully when I get the file, it'll be nice and clear. Uh, And and I got my computer plugged in. Although if I (laughs) didn't, I I wouldn't have to listen. Yeah, I wouldn't have to listen to the rest of that story again. But yeah, whatever. Which one? The the numbum thing. I mean, can you? Oh, I'll tell it again. You want me to tell it again? Please, can you just never tell it again? I can talk about the story in the middle of the night when the Canadians came in drunk and they started bagging on our tire. Nobody wants to hear it. That's why we won. Listen, just do yourself some favors. Just get some sleep. Enjoy your rest (laughs) of your night. Just say goodbye to everybody, and we're out. Thanks, everybody. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What? I have two options on Greg's ride of the races tomorrow, which is really Greg's ride home. I can do five and a half hours back roads. Okay, to get to where my next stop is. Okay. Or I can go five and a half hours back roads and I can do a five hour dirt loop, 150 mile dirt loop added on to that five and a half hours. Yeah, but that's but that's like whose five and a half hours are they basing out off of? Because you and the dirt's gonna take ten and a half. Huh. See that right there hurts. Okay. Well, that's truth. That's the truth. No, you don't know that. How many people are on this dirt road? What do you mean? Do we have do we have cell service? Do we have like all that stuff? Because you know, I worry about no, you. No, that's 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 the whole thing. I mean, I don't want to be stupid about it. About plus that specifically that because we know. That plus, the I'm a little ham fisted with that with that big horsepower on that thing, so I'm not sure I can go 150 miles off road with the with the tank either. T- might take you a week. It. Might take you a week for that. How's your gas mileage? You stopping every hour today on that on that highway? <laughs> uh Kind of, all right, so here's the deal. Oh no, I'm <laughs> no, sorry, no. Everyone. Here's the deal. Seriously, because I was thinking about this all day on the bike, right? So up here, when I left Reno, as soon as you you know, like you leave and Fernley or whatever, you you get out and it's 80 mile an hour zone. Yep. Right. Yep. So basically, you just kind of cruise 10 over like I normally do, and that puts the RPM at like 6,400. If you go. 5,900 RPM, even 6,000 RPM, the difference in 
in two to 300 RPM is 10 miles per the gallon. <laughs> so the first stint, I made it, I made it 122 miles and had to get gas. Oh. And I was like, is this, is this what my day's for? Yeah. But then a lot with a lot of construction, a lot of 75 mile an hour zones, I slowed down a little bit. So I was riding at like 5,900 RPM. I, I mean, I extended that fuel mileage out. So then I didn't have to do, I did probably about as many stops as I would yeah. normally make. Only yep. thing is that, you know, the last stop to when I pulled off to get here, I was out of gas where I probably would have been half a tank. But it was just that was just kind of a, a learning. I thought that that was the case, just going going uh, right. west and having a headwind. But right. it's really an RPM based thing, and that's the thing. When we're off road, Jason, as you know, or on the on the track or on twisties, for me, it's all about that RPM management, right? Like the thing redlines at ten five, so I'm always in the eight to ten thousand range. You know, just trying to keep that. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a big bike. You can lug it a little bit, still have some motor. Yep. But so with that RPM management and having the higher revs. I don't get the gas mileage I would on the freeway, just babying the thing around. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. Got it. That's yeah. the thing I, that I concern myself with just a little bit. More interesting. And really, control, honestly, Jason, right? so, yeah. W- yeah, with the 2021 Multistrada V4, it's really the only complaint that most people have is the is the the fuel mileage lacks a little bit. Yeah, the the amount yep. of distance, the range on the tank. I mean, yep. beyond that, the thing is it's unreal. And you know, I put those new Dunlop Mission tires on it. They're a 50-50 tire, so I have a lot more confidence off road. Um, you know, good. I can actually get on the brakes on the front. So I'm a little, I'm a lot quicker. Okay. On the off-road oh, with stop, those tires. Uh, so. Stop it. Stop it. Are you challenging me to go better than five hours but on that, on that ride? Only, is that what I'm hearing? The only thing you're worse at as, as far as road racing goes is dirt. 